0: This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Hey there friends, welcome to another exciting edition of Equip with Chris Brooks. I am so thrilled that you've joined us today. Can you do me a favor? Strap on your seatbelt. We're gonna navigate through the contours of culture as always with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I can rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And with that, I welcome you into what will be a very informative and interactive edition of Equip. There's so much happening in our world uh, today, I want to cover the headlines. We're going to talk about some things that are happening in Washington, D.C., things that are happening in, uh, in Harvard, in, in Boston. We'll also talk a little bit about how to prepare your heart for an upcoming election year. But before we dive into all of that, I just want to say thank you. Uh, we have already started this year out with uh, just tremendous generosity towards the program. And I'm humbled by that. I am fully aware that we are here because of God's grace and your generosity. So I want to say thank you. We're getting our financial reports and all the tabulation is happening for December. So I'll give you a more informed update and uh, hopefully next week on uh, how things worked out in December. But as for this month, thank you to Catherine from Spring Hill, Tennessee, for uh, your gift. Thank you to Wesley from Lake uh, Worth, uh, Florida, Lake Worth, Florida. Sorry. Uh, Thank you to Nathan from Indiana for your gift. And also Rex Ann from Alaska. Thank you for your generosity as well. Friends, I'm so grateful for uh, the fact that we get a chance to tackle the tough issues of our culture with relevant and biblical answers and to equip a new generation Of believers on how to live, share, and defend their faith. And I think the need for that is as great today as it's ever been because of the rapidly changing and shifting landscape of the culture that we live in. But I believe that God has called us to be both confident and competent in our ability to articulate the things we believe and why they are important. And so that's why I have the guests that I do, the resource that we offer you, resources that we make available and uh, why I'm committed to this program. So I'm asking that you would pray. If you've been blessed, if you've been encouraged by uh, the program, I would ask that you would consider supporting the ministry of Equip Radio today. Your gift uh, will help us to uh, proclaim the good news of Christ in your community and around the world and to help people to experience the grace of God in a relationship with Jesus Christ and to give answers to the tough questions that no doubt you are facing. We want you to be able to give a winsome response with deep, deep conviction in Jesus Christ. So please support the program, the phone number 888-644-4144. That's 888-644-4144. Or go to EquipRadio.org, and all month long, as a way of saying thank you, we're going to send you this great book, Memorizing Scripture, by Glenna Marshall. Uh, We all have resolutions. We all have goals for this year, maybe to lose weight, maybe to get that budget in place, maybe to begin uh, to uh, prepare for the future. But I also hope that you have spiritual goals One of the great goals that all of us should have is memorizing Scripture. Now, you can do it. You don't have to have the best memory. You don't have to uh, be young. It doesn't make a difference if you're young or old. We have some um, great insights, some tips on how to memorize Scripture so that you can experience the blessing and benefit of hiding the Word of God in your heart and flourishing uh, by his promises, so please support the program. I love to send this book out to you, memorizing scripture. I'm going to be doing it, and I love for you to take the journey with me. Well, for today, I'm pretty excited to have my um, good friend and uh, colleague uh, John Stone Street on today. John is the president as of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Just highly respect their work, uh, the Breakpoint Commentary the way they are resourcing leaders in every sector of our society uh, to um, take a comprehensive Christian worldview into the various spheres of influence that have been entrusted to them. John is a speaker in areas of faith and culture, theology, worldview, education, apologetics, and also pro-life issues. He's also the daily voice of the uh, Breakpoint Commentaries. That's nationally syndicated. And uh, he's our
1: guest today. John, Happy New Year. Thanks for joining me. Hey, you bet. It's always good to talk to you, my friend, and Happy New Year. Hope you guys had a great Christmas celebration.
0: Man, I'm waiting for us to start a new year out and say uh, it's boring. Nothing's happening around the world. Everything's quiet on the Western Front. But the reality is, is that it's never boring. Uh, There's always things that are happening. And so in kind of a rapid fire style, there's some topics I want to talk to you about today. And quite honestly, I wanted to talk to you today because your voice that I listen to, your voice that I trust, the Colson Center broadly. So before we get into these topics, can you just share for those who are unfamiliar about the work of the Colson Center, what you guys do and why the
1: ministry is so important? Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, look, we, we are uh, in a particular cultural moment, and we didn't choose to be here. But what Paul makes really clear in Acts chapter 17, when he's talking to the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers there in Athens, is that God puts us in particular times and particular places. In fact, that's one of the distinctions of a Christian worldview, is that Christ- the, the Christian understanding of life and the world. Uh, you know, reveals a God who is concerned with time and place. You don't get that in Buddhism. You don't get that in the same way in Islam. You certainly don't get that if the universe is kind of an accidental collocation of atoms, you know, with no uh, intelligent supreme being, uh, you know, overseeing the flow of history. But in Christianity, you have a historically precise a, a, a God who cares about historical precision, and that includes the cultural moment that we're in. And so, you you know, it's a confusing cultural moment, but part of all of our faith has to be to understand what's happening in the world uh, from the solid foundation of truth. And Chuck Colson cared deeply about that. Uh, obviously, he, he started what became the largest prison ministry in the world, but the more he went into the prisons, the more he started to care about the church being able to speak to what was happening in the culture. And so we carry on that work through our commentaries and training programs and, and things like that so that Christians can connect uh, the truth of God's word with the realities happening in God's world, and we can do it while pointing others to what's true.
0: Well, you guys do it, and you do it well. We'll have a link to the Breakpoint website, the Colson Center website, on ours at equipradio.org. For those of you who like to find out more about John and about his ministry, I'll make sure I reference that throughout our time together. Let's just dive in. Um, As you forecast this year, you don't need to be a a prognosticator or a prophet to know that probably— It's a fair assumption to make that the biggest story of 2024 will be a presidential election. All elections are historic moments. Uh, When electing a president, and because of the stature of our country, leader of the free world, uh, it is even more monumental. It shapes generations, uh, every president through their policies, through their personal character. John, I'd love for you to briefly share how you're preparing your own heart, your own soul, for this upcoming year. I was thinking about uh, an article that I recently read from the Gospel Coalition where Case Thorpe said this, We should anticipate a tough season ahead. In our churches, we're seeing two opposing dangers. On the one hand, members who want their pastors to comment on political issues far more from the pulpit. On the other hand, some hope pastors never speak about politics at all. He goes on to say, the Apostle Paul exhorted the Roman Church during their season of political turmoil, turmoil, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. That's Romans 12 and 18. Man, that seems more and more daunting as the days go by. So, John, how are you preparing your own heart? What lessons, if any, from 2020 carry over for you? Into this
1: season that is shaping the way you're approaching this year? Yeah, no, it's a, it's it's a great question. It's one that we all have to deal with. I'm I'm really struck with what Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh wrote when he was trying to deal with the political and cultural realities of his day and his understanding of the Christian faith being centered around the incarnation of Christ basically, and I don't agree with everything that Bonhoeffer, you know, the the, the wonderful German pastor theologian wrote, some of his theology was kind of all over the place, but you have this understanding that the Christian faith is not a disconnected faith. It's not something that just is true about the esoteric kind of concerns of personal morality or kind of psychology, but it actually is uh, the claim of Christ in the here and the now. And that is the, First place we all have to start is that when we are thinking and talking about Jesus Christ, we're talking about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's not an yeah. esoteric concept. That is a historical reality according to a, a Christian worldview. Um, the second thing is that th- there's a lot more than just politics, but this will be a politically heavy year. And I know what we're all thinking is like, well, what was last year? It felt politically heavy <laughs> in the year before. <laughs> And I agree with that. And that in and of itself says an awful lot about the cultural moment we're in. We're in a moment in which politics has sucked all the air out of the room. You know, when Alexis de Tocqueville came over and wrote about the American experiment in the mid 19th century, he talked about all the extra political realities that were present in the American experiment. Like, you know, between the big state and the individual citizen, there were you know, local communities and school boards and strong families and churches and voluntary associations, all these kind of extra political realities to life. But we live in a in a day where so much has been shrunk down to politics. And I think every day Christians can have an amazing impact on their friends, on their neighbors, on those around us if we actually start building into that kind of emptying middle of American society. Strong family, strong community, strong churches look after each other. So we start kind of creating a buffer uh, for everyday life between us and kind of this political system that just tends to dominate all of our attention. And I think as Christians, we have to give proper due to politics but we also need to actually give proper due to the, all the other parts of life that right now aren't getting the proper due. And I think, you know, Christians can really uh, take the lead on that front. So that, that's one of the things we're really talking about yeah. a lot at the Colson yeah. Center. I'm thinking about in my own life, like like what, what's all the non-political stuff or extra political stuff or pre-political stuff that I can invest heavily in that hopefully will um, you know, make some sense of what is going to be a very, very noisy year. And Chris, you know what's really interesting? I just, I just heard this article. We know America's headed into a, a presidential election, and it's noisy. It's already dominating all the headlines. But this is a record year for the world, for nations around the world. There's about 4 billion people in the world that could vote this year. Wow! Um, Wow. It's just this historical, interesting anomaly, which says an awful lot as well, that this is this moment that we're in is not just a political one for Americans, but for most of the world. Yeah, I think about the statement that with uh, privilege comes
0: responsibility and what a privilege it is to vote. Right. And so we celebrate that, uh, that that's uh, a record number around the world, but it also creates temptations that produce a responsibility for us to steward well our own souls and to think deeply. And I just have been encouraging uh, our listeners to develop a thoughtful, intentional plan on how you're going to till the garden of your own heart, because I do think it starts with us. Uh, We're going to take a break, John, but when we come back, I would love to talk to you about Where do you go to find truth in an election year? Um, We know uh, that we've talked a lot about living in a post-truth culture. Many books have been written about that over the last several years. Is it still possible to move beyond propaganda to truth? And how do you navigate the tough conversations that no doubt will arise with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers, in this upcoming election year. We're going to help to prepare your heart for that. Before it's all said and done, I want to talk to John about Disney and the upcoming movie that I think we should be aware of. So much to come. Don't forget to go to our website at equipradio.org. Find out more about John and about our friends at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. We'll be right back right after this. Knowing the Bible is essential for a vibrant life in Christ. I want to equip you to live each day grounded in God's Word. That's why I've chosen the book Memorizing Scripture by Glenna Marshall as our impact gift this month. Discover memorization techniques that work for you and learn how to truly meditate on God's Word every day. This book can be yours with a gift of any amount. Simply call 888-644-4144 or visit us at equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Phone number 888 644 4144. That's 888 644 4144. Or go to our website, equipradio.org. Guest today is John Stone Street, the president of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. John, um, I mentioned before we went to break about the fact that we do live in a culture where it is harder and harder to move beyond propaganda and uh, commentary to actual facts and truth. So how do you navigate that dilemma as someone who is uh, responsible for sharing truth with others? How do you do that in particular in an election year?
1: Yeah, no, it's a a great question. And I think, you know, one of the features that we're all going to experience this year is that, you know, a political year like this doesn't actually create as much as it reveals. We're going to know a lot about where we're at and the political process and the election season and what we think about our leaders, the quality of character in our leaders, the quality of, uh, 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 of where the population is. I mean, honestly, in a democratic process, you tend to get what you deserve. And uh, usually going yeah, into yeah. a year like this, I'm not praying that God gives us what we deserve. I'm praying for mercy, that, you know, yeah. that God actually shows us some grace and mercy and doesn't give us the sort of kind of, you know, leader that, that, that we deserve. And, and part of that is, is is that we have political loyalties that Trump, no pun intended, are loyalties to truth. Um, and I think that's the first place. If we're going to actually stand on truth, we've got to actually be willing uh, to first and foremost, be loyal to truth yes, and say, look, yes. I'm going to go where the truth is. I'm going to actually stand here, even if it goes, uh, you know, in a direction that, uh, you know, takes me in a, a direction politically that I'm, I'm not comfortable with. And, and, and see what happens is I think the reaction to that from a lot of people of faith, it, you know, in terms of the chaos of the political moment is to say, you know, things like, you know, Jesus wasn't a Republican or a Democrats. So we can't be loyal to either one. And, 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 and the problem with that sort of thinking is that, that it, it actually uh, uh, does an equivocation uh, on moral issues that mm. are really important moral issues. Now, yeah. look, we should not be fundamentally loyal to you know the elephant or you know to uh the the, the, the donkey. donkey we should be <laughs> as our friend sam rodriguez says we should be fundamentally loyal to the lamb yeah uh, but jesus makes uh some very clear moral statements the christian sure. worldview makes us loyal uh to uh eternal truths about the world about who we are as human beings about the value and yeah. dignity of life uh about things like families and children And so we can't equivocate and and, kind of use that as an excuse to not actually step out. So our first loyalties have to be to what has been revealed in scripture. And from there, we make the decision on how to apply it politically.
0: Yeah, I love that. I I also have come to appreciate more the question of what does the research reveal right now in, in all cases, research, data uh, can be uh, manipulated. So I'm not uh, saying that that's a fail-proof approach, but so often policy ideas are talked about as if these things have not been tested or tried either in our country or around the world. So let's take socialism for an example. Uh, It, In particular, a few years ago when when Bernie Sanders was – really popular and people around the country were filling the burn, if you remember. Uh, it was uh, kind of saw a revival, some socialist ideas, and that has continued to pick up steam. Well, <clears throat> socialism is something that's been tried, right? It's been tried around the world. Some of the ideas have been tried. I, I grew up in Detroit, and I would say some of those policies in our urban areas were tried and, and so there's evidence, there's history there, right? So we don't just have to take um, um, well-crafted speeches and walk away and say, man, that was really inspiring. And so therefore, I'm just going to leave it on the ideas level. I think there's homework that we all have to do. And those of us who have platforms like you, like myself, have a responsibility of helping people to do some of that homework. I recently listened to a breakpoint where you introduced uh, the idea of subsidiarity and stewardship. And I thought that was brilliant in helping people to think through, man, how do I approach economics and, uh, and, and the whole idea of stewardship? So I, I just think that it's important for us to go beyond the ideas and the speeches to the actual history of these ideas.
1: Yeah, and 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 also I think the cosmic level of Christian claims. In other words, I think we have a tendency to just think about Christianity as a source of personal meaning for us and maybe a source of personal morality. So I won't lie, I won't cheat, and so on. But but really, what some of the biggest you know, conflicts that take kind of political shape in our culture are over, you know, fundamental questions of reality. Is there such a thing as male and female? I mean, over the, you know, the the holiday, for example, Governor DeWine in Ohio vetoed a bill that would have protected female athletes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in sports. And, you know, that's a question of, really who are people is there such a thing as men and women and what impact should that have into how we do education and education educational related programs and you know he really he really punted on that as the governor that's not just a personal moral decision of whether you know well you know should 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 somebody identify as uh, uh you know an opposite gender or something like that that now is enforcing a vision of life in the world on Children and, and children, uh, children's, and, and so, so many of the political questions we're facing uh, have to deal with that fundamental definition of what is real, what is true, what kind yes. of creatures yes. humans are. But unfortunately, for a lot of us, our understanding of our own faith doesn't go that deep.
0: Well, you know, and this is where, again, the uh, Colson Fellows Program is really important. There are other programs that really are designed to help us to think through the implications of the gospel in every area of life. And let's just camp out here for just a couple of minutes. It's important for us to ask the question, if Jesus is serious, what does that mean? If the word of God, the teachings of scripture, if they're to be taken seriously, what does that mean for my marriage, for my parenting, for the way that I handle money, relationships, career, technology, you name it? The gospel has implications on the whole of life, and that is why worldview matters. Because once we have, once we understand the basic framework of a Christian worldview, and more broadly what a worldview is, then I think we can tackle these foundational questions of anthropology, or uh, or epistemology, or. Uh, veracity. We can take on these things. But I think, a- apart from that, I don't know how we do, John.
1: No, what you can. I mean, otherwise you're you, you're just playing this kind of never-ending game of cultural whack-a-mole, you know, where some issue's popping up and you're trying to smack it and you know yeah. in the right way, and 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 it's just dizzying. Now you you got to have solid a solid ground, and that solid ground is you know, and and to me it's so interesting that of course as Christians we know that solid ground is what God has revealed to us in Holy Scripture, and 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 if you look at holy scripture it begins in the beginning it talks about the creation of the world before it tells us how to behave it tells us the sort of world we live in um mm. a world of moral order a world in which people are made in the image and likeness of god male and female a world in which to perpetuate uh you know to fulfill god's purposes for humans god gave them marriage as an institution uh, you know these are uh, an awful lot of fundamental givens to the world uh, and, and that runs in direct contrast to the way we talk about uh, so much of the world today in our postmodern era, as if there are no givens to the world. There's not givens to morality. There's not even givens, you know, to, to, to humanity. Uh, our social institutions aren't given. And, and that's really the fundamental question is, what kind of world do we live in? And that's where Holy Scripture begins. It starts by defining reality. Friends, uh, we want you to be able
0: to define reality well. We want you to have a comprehensive framework where you not only know what you believe, but why you believe it well enough to apply it to your own life and to commend it to others. This is why a Christian worldview is really, really important. Do you know what you believe about humanity? Do you know what you believe about the origin of things? Do you know what you believe about truth, about the future, about sin and salvation, and how all of those fit together? Well, if you're wanting that, if you deeply desire that, not only do I commend you to equip and to break point, I would even encourage you to consider becoming a Colson Fellow. Find out more by going to our website at equipradio.org. There we'll have links for you to find out more about the Colson Center. We'll be right back with more of Equipped right after this. Welcome back to Equipped with Chris Brooks. So grateful for you listening today. Also grateful for your partnership in the gospel as we start out a new year I want to encourage you to stand with us if we've been a blessing to you. And our commitment this year is to help you to make 2024 the greatest year of spiritual growth you've ever experienced. That's possible and I believe required for the times that we live in. So as your setting goes for your health, for your finances, for your family, which are all good. I hope you set some goals for your spiritual aspirations as well. One of the things I want to get into your hands is our book, uh, Memorizing Scripture by Glenna Marshall. It's our gift to you for your support for the program this month. One of the things that scripture memorization does is it trains us to think biblically, But in addition to that, it brings hope into our lives as we meditate deeply on the promises of the Lord. Think about Psalm 23 and 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, you could memorize that scripture pretty easily. Imagine just through repetition saying that uh, throughout the day, maybe this becomes your goal for the week. Now, I want to memorize Psalm 23 and 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And imagine if you said that scripture maybe three to four times a day for the rest of this week, I guarantee you by the time this week is over, that would be imprinted on your heart. But even more than that, the reality of the Lord being your shepherd and his provision for your life will be imprinted upon your heart, your soul as well. We want to help you to make 2024 the greatest year of spiritual growth ever. So I'd love for you to stand with us, to partner with us. The phone number to find out more is 888-888. That's 888-644-4144 or go to EquipRadio.org. John Stone Street, president of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, is my guest today. John, I want to leave Washington, D.C. for a moment, and I want us to travel to a small college in the Boston area known as Harvard. (laughs) It is has uh, obviously been in the news lately as the now former president of uh, Harvard University, Claudine Gay, announced her resignation. And it comes after a real firestorm. First, uh, obviously the congressional hearings uh, that she and other Ivy League presidents attended uh, that uh, was peppered with questions about Uh, anti-Semitism, I think legitimate, very important um, uh, questions. And uh, they just did not answer those questions well. That's led to multiple resignations, uh, not only for uh, the university, uh, Harvard University, but for uh, Penn as well. The president there uh, resigned as well. Um, But what do you make of all of this? Obviously, in addition to the congressional hearing, plagiarism became a really important part of the story. And in some ways, I take heart in the fact that we still take plagiarism seriously um, and, and anti-Semitism seriously enough for this to lead to a resignation. Should we be encouraged by this in some way?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think in some way, I, I because it did – at the end of the day, hold true that plagiarism is something that can disqualify you as an academic. And the reason that plagiarism is such a serious charge in an academic setting is that, and of course, you know, you, you play by those rules as a pastor, Chris, yes. right? You take yes. somebody else's sermon and and spin it off as your own. You can get in a lot of trouble for that, and you should get in a lot of trouble for that. Yep. It's a yep. form of stealing. It's a form of uh, intellectual laziness. And and so on and so on. So, you, you know, I, I'm glad that it finally got to this point. It did take an awful long time, didn't it? And, it did. and, and, it and, did. and it's also notable that the uh, the display at the congressional hearing in which it was not uh, clear whether or not these college presidents thought that uh, calls for genocide against Israel counted as anti-Semitism. Uh, And that uh, counted as even bullying and harassment, according to their language, when, you know, we know, for example, on college campuses, almost everything counts as bullying and harassment. But the calls for genocide did not that that what that in and of itself was not enough to to end her career as the president of, you know, what's historically been considered America's most important educational institution. So I, I think this incident has revealed an awful lot. It has revealed, first and foremost, just how prevalent that kind of critical theory mood is on university campuses where uh, we group people together according to these identity politics and that these things really hold sway over how these institutions function. That's what came out of that hearing. Um, And uh, that was really stunning. You're seeing a little bit of it, too, in the reaction to the charges of plagiarism that, you know, Basically, you know, that is a tool of white supremacy. We've seen the New York Times kind of carry that uh, today as a headline of that story. And you think, you know, truth telling shouldn't be racially determined. Truth telling should not be something that's white or black or, you know, you know, American or non-American. You know, we, we live in a world in which truth exists and standing on truth should be really important, particularly if you're an educational institution. And particularly if you're Harvard, (laughs) because (laughs) and and
0: again, what we what we have to understand the seriousness behind all of this is the fact that you're asking presidents to simply agree to abide by and practice the same standard. uh, The students are asked to abide by. It was really interesting yesterday as the stories about uh, this being racialized came to a head. Um, It was Anthony Bradley who posted on uh, his Twitter account or X platform, X platform about a couple years ago as University of South Carolina president who had to resign over plagiarism. And he's a white male. And the fact of the matter is these have been the standards, regardless of race or ethnic background across the board, we can try to racialize it. But we need to understand that the facts simply don't support that. And this, again, is where we have to go back to the facts, not just well-crafted statements, piffy arguments, uh, those types of things that are well-crafted memes. Uh, these things seem to shape us even more than asking the question, but what does the fact show? What does history show? And if we look at history, we will have to say that uh, there have been more white heads of uh, educational institutions that have been uh, forced to resign over uh, revelations of plagiarism than uh, minorities. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is as you said, truth should not be a racialized issue. It really comes down to uh, a matter of integrity. Uh, yesterday, I saw someone uh, try to argue on one of the news stations that well, it's not like she committed something serious or stole someone's ideas. She just simply uh, copied those ideas without giving someone credit. <laughs> and I thought to myself, <laughs> that's the definition of stealing someone's <laughs> ideas and why footnoting is so important. Let's, let's just switch for a moment, though, to the broader issue, uh, going back to anti-Semitism, of what's happening in the Holy Land in the Middle East Uh, I have some deeply close friends that are Palestinian Christians uh, who are in Bethlehem. We, as a church, partner with Bethlehem Bible College. It's over there. Um, So I I love my Palestinian brothers and sisters. I love my Israeli brothers and, and sisters. Are you surprised, John, at how quickly it seems like our culture... Has turned uh, its ire towards the Jewish people, and um, and, and really uh, the revelations of how much support Hamas has. Um, obviously, our hearts should lament over all the loss of life and all of the horrific events that surround this moment. Uh, but I, I, I got to be I got to be honest. I'm surprised. Even yesterday, seeing a report that 450. Hamas uh, affiliates were found in Germany um, recently. and I think to myself, there's probably equal if not more here that are supporting funding, aligning themselves and uh, and I didn't expect it.
1: Yeah, I think that's been probably the most uh, close to home revelation from this uh, the Israel uh, uh, retaliation. Uh, and just war retaliation, if you ask me, against the Hamas atrocities from October the, the 7th, is that it, it, we, we have realized, I think, that on an institutional level, on college campuses, certainly among students, but also among faculty uh, uh, and some of our media spokespersons and our leaders, uh, that this uh, predetermined who are the good guys, who are the bad guys, what I call this critical theory mood in which people are grouped together And that has to become now the lens through which we see everything as opposed to the inherent dignity that all people have and universal standards of right and wrong and and, and so on. Uh, it, it really is a damaging worldview perspective, and it is very, very much present in the West. Uh, and now, you know, at some level, that's what you get when you have a context of freedom in which you do, for example, honor the freedom of speech and the freedom of association and the mm-hmm. freedom of religion. But all freedoms have to have limits, right? Yes, um, this yes. is the, you know, you don't yell a you know, fire in a crowded theater, that, you know, yes. sort of thing.
0: No, I agree with you. And I I think, John, that we have to remember that. And while freedom does produce the right for people to believe whatever they want, uh, it seems like uh, if we did question how far critical theory,
1: how much grounded it gained in the minds of many, we shouldn't question that anymore. Oh, I think it's been absolutely exposed. I I think it's been exposed on, it was exposed in those congressional hearings. Um, I was asked, uh, I do a weekly segment with World, the World and Everything in It, their weekly podcast, and uh, they were, you know, what's the most important story of 2023? And I I think the Israel Hamas story is, because of all the other things that it revealed, if it weren't so, uh, you know— you know, such an important story in and of itself. And that's the other side of this too, Chris, to answer your question about have I been surprised by the, the, the sympathies and the anti-Semitism and how, how wide it's gone. Look, anti-Semitism goes back to the beginning of time. There, there's not a people group in the history of the world that has had the direct and indirect acts on it like Israel. And the only explanation I know, and I, I, I don't, uh, I'm not you know, proposing a certain view of the end times here or there. I'm just saying there are clearly some spiritual realities at work uh, in terms of this kind of the oldest hatred, uh, the most direct hatred, the most justified and rationalized hatred of the Jewish people. And it's got to have something to do, I think, with what we believe to be true, which is that God chose through the Jewish people to bring about the redemption of his creation. Um, for all you know, uh, 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 you know, to, to be the, the kind of the, the blessing that was going to bless all the nations of the earth. And there's a reason that I think Satan has turned his attention that way. And um, I, I think I, it, otherwise it's just hard to explain, first of all, yeah. how much the Jewish people have been attacked throughout history, and then the resiliency, the, the survival, yeah. Yeah. Um, when so many other groups have passed into the dustbin of history.
0: But this is where, again, as we prepare for our final break, this is where we have to go back to a biblical worldview and understand that uh, time in history is unfolding, just as Scripture has predicted, and uh, just as archaeology helps to prove uh, the reliability of Scripture, the historicity of Scripture, so does fulfilled prophecy. And as we approach this upcoming year, I pray that we would be students. Of the prophetic sections of scripture as well that help us to understand not only what's happening in our world, but why it's happening. I hope we will interpret the news of our world through the uh, message of the word. I want to encourage you towards that end. Well, when we come back, we're going to visit with uh, John Stone Street, some upcoming movies and see what cultural signals we can find in entertainment don't go anywhere much more to come on Equip hey Equippers thank you for blessing us with your faithful monthly support you should have received an email detailing how to sign up for our next interactive zoom webinar I'm looking forward to spending this time with you now if you're not an Equipper and you want to attend all you have to do to become a monthly partner is call 888- 644-4144 644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org One of the benefits of becoming a monthly partner of Equip is you get full and free access into our Zoom webinars. These are quarterly events with curated content to really go deeper into what's happening in our culture and equip you to more effectively live, share, and defend your faith our upcoming Zoom webinar for our monthly partners. We call those good folks equippers. Our next one is coming up on Thursday, February 1st. We're going to cover the topic of understanding Islam. If you want to understand what's happening in the Middle East, uh, biblical prophecy, if you want to understand uh, why uh, we need to have a response for our friends who uh, have affections or sympathies for Hamas. We're going to talk about that and so much more so that you can be equipped to explain your Christian worldview and hopefully share your faith effectively with your Muslim neighbors and friends and, uh, coworkers. Uh, but in order to be a part of that, you need to be a monthly partner, just like Wesley from Florida, just became our newest equipper. Thank you, Wesley, for your monthly partnership. Maybe Equip has been a blessing to you. There's so many benefits, including 50% off, all Moody published items, and so much more. Go to our website, EquipRadio.org to learn more or dial the number 888-644-4144. That's 888 644 41, 44. Well, only John Stone Street uh, can I ask questions about upcoming elections, the president of Harvard, and what Disney is up to. Uh, but there is a new movie that's coming out. I don't think it's a Disney affiliate, but uh, it is called Mickey Mouse Trap. And it portrays Mickey Mouse uh, as a serial killer. And it's a horror film. And I thought about how films shape us, from Oppenheimer last year to the Barbie movie. But what cultural signals are you seeing coming through these movies? And I know it's such a broad statement. But in particular, seeing that Mickey Mouse has been turned into a horror character.
1: (laughs) You know... I hope it's just weird and an anomaly and you know uh, there, there's something that's happened kind of corporately where the predecessor of Mickey Mouse which I didn't know I'd ever be talking about is a is a character that, that Disney put out called Steamboat Willie and that's become part of public domain and so now you know this Mickey Mouse image can be used uh, without Disney's permission so maybe it has you know nothing at all to do with what's really going to happen but but, you know, yeah. the, the problem is that there there is, I think, a history. And you mentioned the Barbie movie. I think that's an example of this where you have these kind of uh, uh, stable, uh, uh, you know, parts of our past that need to be deconstructed in one way or another. Right. They, they, yes. they need to be exposed. There's a, a cynicism about the happily ever after and the, the you know, the the the. Uh, you know the innocent fun like all of that needs to be kind of undone and and you can actually see that in you know even the growth of adult animation on television and some of the more cynical stuff i mean the simpsons was i think an early example of this but it it was you know quickly replaced by far more cynical far more sexual far more kind of amoral examples i mean most famously you know beavis and and uh and you know what, Beavis and ButtHead—I yes. guess—I don't know yes. if I can say that on radio or not, but you just did. that was the title. And <laughs> Family Guy, and yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah. I, there there is a cynicism to anything good and anything wholesome and anything true, you know. And, and at one level, Chris, Christians don't believe in a happily ever after, you know, kind of utopian fantasy world, right? We think that the world really fell to the degree that God himself sent Christ to die in order to make things right. But we're also not cynical. We're not optimistic. We're not pessimistic. We're hopeful. And a Christian framework, I think, explains both the parts of the world that we feel let us down, as well as the good that actually exists in the world. We don't have to be cynical about everything.
0: Well, it also is a reminder to me, John, that media is not neutral. Entertainment is not neutral. So let's not go into the movies or listen to music uh, without a critical eye for what worldview is this communicating. And hopefully we can discern those things and filter it through what we know to be true about all of reality in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why I love the work you're doing at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. That's why I want to, at every opportunity, encourage folks to find out more. Go to our website at equipradio.org to uh, find out more about these headlines and so much more. Don't forget to listen to Breakpoint every day for the commentary as well. Thank you, John. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Friends, uh, your support for Equip is absolutely needed in this season. So. Please support the program at EquipRadio.org. Until we're together again next time, as always, remember Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.